0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to AMBETS Radio. At AMBETS Radio we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything Ambet's nationwide. For over 50 shows now, AMBETS Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veteran serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about AMBETS. It's our goal at AMBETS Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to AMBETS Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit AMBETSRadio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the AMBETS Radio train is about to leave the station.
2: You're not the only one on your knees tonight. With the red and white and blue on your mind. No, you're not alone. I hope you know. You're not the only team fit for a fight. Willing to lay it all on the life No, you're not alone A close heart in the name You're not the only one to meet their fans Raising hell for winning the stand No, you're not alone There's no one showing up with number or our name It's across their back Just to watch us play our game There's only one team song And we're all watching you As you walk down the stairs. from you and me to show our appreciation for keeping this land free. So the next time you hear our anthem and see your glory flying in the air, can we please all stand together in the one thing we all share. We're Americans. Americans. We're Americans. We're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, God bless the USA.
1: Well, Father God, you have seen it fit for us to be here another day. I thank you for AMBETS Radio, I thank you for the AMBETS, I thank you for their passion to serve each other, to be vessels of your grace. We know that over the last few shows we have been talking about some very sensitive issues and you've given us the strength to get through, you've given us some amazing wisdom through the people and guests that we've had on and I pray that tonight is no different that um, whatever is said here not only will be glorifying to you but will help those that are struggling with such a just an incredible set of circumstances and experiences that a lot of people don't understand and a lot of people father ask why do you allow things to happen and I'm a firm believer that you allow things to happen so that we as your vessels of grace can stand before someone who is hurting and will look in our eyes and say, you don't understand what I've been through. But when they look in, in our eyes, Father, they know that we've been through it. And so we know that you've allowed situations to take place to help benefit the care and love for others. And so I thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to talk about this discussion again And I just ask that when 9 o'clock Central Standard Time hits tonight, that the information that we have released through this show will not only reverberate through those that are struggling with it, but to prepare those for maybe some experiences they're not expecting. But uh, we thank you so much, and we look forward to hearing all the wonderful things that take place tonight. We just love you so much, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Alex, how you doing, brother? Doing good, brother. How are you doing tonight? You know, if I was doing any better, I'd be you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, hey, you I don't know, think this we, show
3: can handle two of me.
1: Yeah, listen, I don't I'm amazed the show's lasted this long. I mean, we're pretty extreme in many ways, but as you've learned and as I've witnessed over the last... A uh, 70 weeks, man, um, things have opened up, and people have communicated, and we've had the shows that we've had. I never dreamed or imagined that we would be having this discussion. Uh, only two, three weeks ago did this get brought up by one of our guests, and all of a sudden we began to talk about it. And I even had someone get a little bit upset with me because um, they, they felt that maybe we discussed the sh- that, this topic enough. And I disagreed with them because we had more things to talk about. And I know we were kind of stuck in in time and there was only so much we can discuss, but we have got, um, the same guests we had last week, less, um, Orlando. He can't be with us tonight, but we've got the ambits, Indiana women's veterans liaison, Vanessa Dillon, going to join us tonight. Judy is back. Um, to uh, I'm sure share some more profound information. I know we've got the CRM, that's Wisconsin post 2017 post commander. She's joined us tonight. And of course we have Lisa Wilkin who her and I had a conversation uh, the next day after the show and she opened up a lot of information cause I was curious on how she, how she got started in this and where it all began. And so I just wanna, I wanna take a moment First of all, to thank the AMBETS Department of Arkansas. Um, their donation recently is uh, is going to keep us on the air until the national convention. And uh, what people don't understand is we are pretty much self-supported. We don't have any national sponsors. AMBETS National has not provided financially for AMBETS Radio. It's only through the AMBETS Department of Tennessee through uh, Post 45, uh, which is your post, Alex. Um for Nashville, uh because of um the love that uh, uh Ron has for the show for the Elk's Lodge, nineteen forty four. Uh he's the Military Affairs Council. Uh and we even have an advertiser Veterans Web Design uh who also has uh helped give into this show and even though they're technically a competitor of mine, I really don't care because it isn't about competition. It's about getting the information out, and that's what I think makes Ambet's Radio so unique and so special. And I want to thank you, Alex, for your dedication, for your willingness to come on this show to be a guest host. You are an Amvet, so you bring to the table things that I, as a, a host, uh, cannot bring. Uh, And so I just wanted to start tonight's show off by, one, thanking you for your contribution, for your ideas, for your willingness to motivate me when uh, sometimes I, I, especially recently, just because of this cold that I've had, uh, didn't even want to function today. I barely could move today, but I said, you know, I'm going to – I think about all those that sacrificed their life for me, and mine's a cold. That's stupid. You know what I mean? (laughs) Compared to the sacrifices that you made and and those to be on this show. So thank you for for being a part of AMBETS Radio.
3: Hey, brother. I appreciate you having me.
1: Now, we're going to do our national anthem. We're going to get started with our first guest. Uh, We have a guest coming on at uh, 8 Central, uh, which is a little under an hour from now. Uh, He's coming back on. He's a friend of the show. He's the MS National Chief Strategy Officer, Sherman Gillums. Uh, He's got some uh, discussions on this topic. I wanted to get him on last week, Alex, but he he said, I'm here to listen. I'm not here to talk this week. I said, okay. Uh, But I said, you know, do you want to come on next week? He said, absolutely. Plus, they're having their um, symposium tomorrow, right, in Smyrna?
3: Yes, tomorrow in Smyrna they're having their appeal
1: team symposium so i'm sure we almost had lana on again but she's got an engagement i was hoping she would be on this topic but she's not going to be but let's go ahead and let's let's do our national anthem and then dude i'm gonna because my voice i'm already starting to lose it already uh i'm gonna pretty much have you kind of take control for the rest of the show while i put some tea in me and um so i I, again thank you for being a co-host and uh uh, if you remember the two magic words that Commander Polk had on a an ad that he wanted to put in the Super Bowl, you remember what those two words were? Please stand. Bingo. Radio, show 69, July 17, 2018. This is our discussion tonight on military sexual assault number two, and we have our guest joining us from last week. I also want to make an announcement, Alex, that if there's anybody that's listening that wants to call in and has some questions or wants to add to the discussion please feel free to reach out to us. You can call 319-527-6081. We do have a a phone number that I do not recognize that um, uh, I will be uh, mentioning that phone number soon to see if this person wants to add to the discussion or if they're just listening, but they start with a 865 area code and the first three numbers are 408. So if you have a question or have any comments, I will, uh, I'll be a- a calling on you to make sure because we don't want anybody to feel like they're not wanted. We've got three ladies on hold. I'm glad Judy is I- – I didn't know Judy was joining. I thought Judy wasn't going to be available th- th- for the first hour at least, but it looks like she's on, and we've got uh, Vanessa who's on, and I believe right now those are the two that are here. We've got Denise – Denise is on, Judy's on, and Vanessa. So let's get everybody connected. Well, Vanessa, welcome back to Ambeth's Radio.
4: Thank you, Perry. Thank you, Alex. It's great to be back.
1: Let's – wonderful. Let me make sure this is Judy. Hey, Judy, are yes, you on? I'm,
0: yes, sir, I am. Wonderful.
2: Me, okay?
1: Perfect. Yes. I hear
0: you
2: um, brilliantly.
1: Just, Hold just... on.
0: Lisa's going to be on at the end of
5: the show because she is. Okay. She home. was
1: the one coming. That's what I thought. Yes, okay. I was getting confused, but I did. I oh, thank you for clarifying. I knew somebody yes, was sir? coming on later. So it looks like we'll have Lisa and we'll have Sherman on together. So that will actually work yes, out sir? well. Let's go ahead and bring Denise Perfect. in. Miss Denise. Are you there?
5: Yes, sir. Good evening. W-
1: Wonderful. Okay, Alex, I'm going to rest my voice, brother. Do your co-hosting, please.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. First of all, ladies, thank you for coming back on the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Uh, Last week, we discussed some amazing information and had some amazing topics to discuss as far as military sexual assault trauma. I want to thank you for those of you who shared your stories. I know it can't be easy. Um, but we're doing this. We had a lot of listeners last week. From what I'm understanding, Perry, correct me if I'm wrong, the most we've had so far, and you know, the, the outreach from our listeners has been amazing. That We've had call-ins, we've had questions, and the, the listeners are really responding, and like Perry was saying, people may have gotten upset, but this is a topic we need to discuss. Otherwise, it's going to be completely overlooked. Due to the fact that it's a sensitive topic and it's scary to imagine that people serving in our military are capable of such horrendous things.
0: Yes, sir. Some of the calls that may be coming in tonight, I have reached all the way across the U.S. Um, with some people um, that hold different positions. They were in the military as well, like, you, like we all were. But they do other positions now, but they're still a soldier. And they've had, you know, probably stuff happen to them. But they have more expertise to offer in different stuff like this as well that they've learned along the healing process.
2: That
3: is amazing. If they do want to contribute, once again, they could always reach out by that phone number Perry mentioned. Also, if you want to go to the AMVETS Radio Facebook page and shoot over a message through Facebook Uh Messenger just so we know what number it is, we'd love to have them on with any questions or comments they may have. Yes, sir. So, ladies, how has your week been doing? Mm,
0: It's okay. Last week we left off. Um, Alex, um, what were we talking about last week at the close? It was something about the, um, like, what are the long-term effects, I believe, we were talking about. Is that right? We
3: were were talking about the long-term effects, I do believe.
0: Okay. I remember clear as day when I was leaving. They were singing Cadence with my name in the Cadence. I can still hear that all these years now.
2: And
0: that is something that, you know, you don't, you know, different stuff, you know, sometimes you just don't really, really get over. I don't think the trauma really leaves you. I had talked to another um, person this week, and we were talking about, you know, how I had been in some different groups with some male veterans as well, and when I was first in the group, I was like, really? It happened to you? Because we don't think of that. You know, society really didn't think of that and stuff. But I think it's great now that people are coming out. And when I explained to people, if you missed this radio station, it was amazing. Because there was a Marine that stood up and fought for a female that was getting raped. And I'll never forget. I would have gave anything if someone would have stood up
3: for me. Beach on that. I am, you know, in a in a culture in a military where we are taught to protect the innocent, defend those who cannot defend themselves. Where you know the motto is "This we will defend." And, Correct. I mean, to, to to imagine where you have chains of command who will mm-hmm. shun out the the victim or the survivor and because it it, it violates the the rights of of the offender mm-hmm. and, and you it's gonna have make that Oh go ahead sorry
0: it's going to make that that's how come it's so important that we take this out of that chain of command's hand and put it in the in the command over the base because that way it can't be oh come on here sergeant major let's just cover this you know i did you a favor that one time because they don't want to look bad because it's going to affect them because they're going to have to answer to someone because it was their soldier under their command and someone's going to have to answer and they're going to look bad and you know they don't want to look bad
3: oh no i mean i remember back when when I was coming in, they used to say you couldn't get to being a sergeant major without at least one DUI.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and my friend, she's probably out there listening tonight, and she's what I call my Indiana mama. And she told me something. She said, Judy, I want you to remember, don't forget this. Them bad people that were in the military, they're out now. They're in the civilian world. I just mm-hmm. learned that these last these last few months.
3: I I had a caller actually, uh, a, a, a listener to the show <laughs> last week who was listening, called me after the show, well, messaged me and then called really? me and and said that they had no idea that they would get out without. Being on a sexual offender registry, even after being convicted in the military, I—I I, it's to my understanding that some people get out even after being convicted through a military tribunal without having to go on a sex offender registry. Is, wow. is that to, is that is that? I don't know. No, because mine
0: well? was mine was never processed like that. Remember, mine was asthma in Iraq, mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. You know, it just doesn't happen you now. Of course, not, there's right. no... and over there, of course not. there's no goggles. <laughs> <laughs> Denise, do you know the answer to that? Um, give
5: me the question again,
3: um that even after going through a tribunal that some offenders don't have to be put on a sex offender registry after being pushed out of the military, it just goes as dishonorable.
5: Yeah, yeah, they, 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 um, that would be a, another thing to add to that bill that awesome. if they do have, um, charges against them towards, uh, military sexual assault, that, that they would, it wouldn't just be a dishonorable discharge, but that they would actually, it would say on their discharge papers. That would be, that would be al- also maybe a hindrance for people to actually do that kind of offense in the military if there were if there was a connection civilian
0: side to the afterwards. civilian world yeah okay i wrote that down i wrote that down for that bill that, and that i wrote would be, that down for senator boots as well yeah that
5: would be very helpful to add that little piece of accountability into that bill okay
3: and, and that's awesome. just one thing that i think i mean it's sad that we had to have unrestricted uh, unrestricted and restricted reporting, but I think that's one of the things that hurts with the restricted reporting is I, I know that a lot of victims and survivors don't want to be, you know, targeted by their unit and harassed and victimized further after this trauma, but you have to think that these offenders are now free to do it without any repercussion, without any... You know, without their name being put out there as an offender, as a sexual predator, someone who, who preys on, on women and men that, you know, in, in the most vilest form, I mean, th- this may sound a little vulgar. I believe that, that sexual behavior should be some of the most pleasurable experiences in somebody's life, not some of the most horrendous.
0: I know where that eight five five number's coming from. I hope they speak up. I know exactly where that's coming from. <laughs> I know exactly where that number's coming in from.
3: Well, Perry, if you could try to get a hold of them, screen that call, and see if they'd be willing to come on the air. I'd greatly appreciate it. In the meantime, we're going to carry on with this.
0: Thank you. I didn't. Uh, absolutely. A
3: of hold hold of on one front. second.
1: Let me. Uh, Give me, give me one sec. We've got two phone numbers actually. Um, and actually no, that is, Oh, Sherman's on. Okay. Hold on one second. We got Sherman. Let me try it. Let me, uh, if you have a phone number of eight, six, five, four, zero eight, I'm not going to say the last four digits. I'm going to turn your microphone on now and let me just see if you have any questions. Do you have any questions or are you just uh, here to listen to the show? Eight six I'm not going to give the last four digits Okay Okay, nothing there, hold on Sherman, how you doing, sir? I'm doing
6: great, Perry, how are all you doing?
1: We are wonderful, I'm going to bring you right into the conversation There's no need to keep you on hold since this is a, a group discussion So welcome back to AMBETS sure. Radio Thank you for okay, having Okay, Alex, me. go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No problem. Hey,
3: no problem, Perry. Hey, Sherman, welcome back to AMVETS Radio. We love having you on here and especially on a topic as important and imperative in action as
6: this is. Is, is this uh, Lisa and Denise on, on the line? We have yeah, Lisa, Denise and Vanessa. Uh, and Vanessa, all, all I can say is this and Judy. Um, first of all, they are you know, taking the lead on this is is courageous. Um, There's no greater agony than holding a story inside of you that needs to be told. I believe that. I believe that about veterans who are underrepresented, that have no voice. But I want you all to keep pressing forward because what you do gives courage to a lot of people who are listening and wouldn't say anything but for hearing you. And the more we put this message out, I'm glad, Perry, that you have this on for our second week in a row, Um, the more we're going to have people find that courage to take on the system because that's really what you're doing you're taking on a system and a culture and it's going to take a persistence to defeat this mindset that if you're a from water in in terms of performance if you've got combat decorations then you can get away with anything and we have to defeat that notion there's no place for that in the military and we have to stop it
0: amen
5: One one thing that, that I want to add into this conversation is, you know, I've had um, fellow veterans say, you need to apply for benefits. And then, you know, I could go through the VA to get, you know, counseling or whatever. And I went to my veterans office, my county office, and I – I just got like a super flare up just trying to communicate to the to the person about what happened and then what what I would have to go through to just get benefits. Like basically I would be drugged through the whole thing again. I would I, I don't remember names of people. I don't remember who my Section sergeant was at the time. I was twenty-three years old,
0: you know, you and I it was could such, help you.
5: such a process that I just was like, I just walked out the door. I I didn't even want to go there, you know, and um, you know, I so I I'm assuming that I'm not the only female veteran out there that stood on the door and said, hey, you know, I heard that that. I should apply for benefits, and then just basically couldn't get out the door fast enough when they told me what I would have to go through
0: to get the benefits. Right, and some people can tell you that, Denise, but it takes that certain person, just like when I remember the first time I went to the VA and I walked in there and I turned around and walked out, and honestly, sometimes I'll go in there, and I'll go to the PTSD clinic and I'll see all these guys sitting in there and, and I feel like sometimes they're just looking at me and I'm mind reading. And that's the worst thing I can ever do is mind read. And I'm mind reading and I feel like they're looking at me and I'll literally just collapse right down the mother floor. And then the receptionists will come around and go, Judy, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, they're all staring at me and I have no idea why they're doing that. She'll be like, they're really <laughs> not. I'll be like, okay, well, will someone go register me in and I'll just head over here. But, You know, but my therapist, she helped me. She logged everything that I said in the system. And then when I found the right person to help me, and I found a female representative to help me with my claim, and that helped. And that's what I offer to veterans. When you find that right person, and Vanessa, you can speak on this, when you find that right person to help you, then that's when it's so much easier. Because you're right, sometimes you can walk in there and you'll be like, nope, I'm not doing this. There's no way I'm going through this crap. It's not worth it. But you just got to get with the right person, and then it'll be worth it.
3: Now, Sherman, I have a question for you, sir, being the Chief Strategy Officer of AMVETS National. Do you think that it would behoove our national service officers to have a little bit extra training and how to sensitively handle VA
6: claims for those who have suffered military sexual trauma. So let me answer the question this way. Um, By suggesting that they have to have sensitivity training kind of gives them an out. I was a service officer, and whenever I had somebody come in to talk to me about his or her experience where MST was involved, it didn't require me to have uh, trained empathy, or trained compassion for this person as a human being. And you know how it is when you're in the military. You can sit in, in brief, briefings about drinking and driving and about all the other things that you're not supposed to do. And if it's considered sort of this rote training where you don't have to really be invested, you just go through with muscle memory, then you're not really provoking the change that needs to happen. These folks know better, and it's, and it's not, you know, I think that there may be some... Something to the idea that there needs to be a, a component within the training curriculum that offers that. But if they don't look at somebody as a human being first who has gone through this, or if there's doubt, or the culture promotes the idea that this individual has to prove that they're not lying before you can open the door to benefits, then training won't cure that. Be service officers. That's the solution. And that means having more women in these roles, not not because women are the only ones that go through this, but because a woman, in my experience, being married to a veteran, being the father of four daughters, when things are that sensitive, they trust women. When they talk, and, and, and of course, I can't speak for our, our uh, you know, our representatives on the line here, but it, it seems like we need to have a better representation of of the affected populations. Among those who do this kind of work, and if we do that, that's the solution. I don't think it's as simple as adding another um, piece to the curriculum because that doesn't that doesn't change anything meaningfully.
3: Judy, do you have any thoughts on that? Um,
0: I believe it takes the person that has to have compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. I got certified. I'm not accredited. I got certified um, through another organization. I'm not accredited at all. But um, I like to go find veterans and tell them about what they're able, what I believe the benefits they have earned and direct them to the county veteran service officer. That's what I like to do. And tell them that I believe they can help them. Or people will call me. I'll say, hey, give this person a call. But If I run across the MST person, you can usually tell when you meet them. Mm -hmm. And I will send them to that right place. Or I will turn off some paperwork and say, hey, can you take a look at Mm -hmm. this? And when you have time, what did I tell you, Vanessa?
4: I don't remember exactly what you said, Judy, but um, you helped encourage me to go ahead and pursue the process um, to go ahead and get enrolled at the VA to talk with the service officer and um, that just that support and that encouragement that you provided um, and knowing that there's someone that I can contact. And um, say, hey, I'm I'm having a bad day. Can, you know, can we just uh, talk for a minute? That, but that
0: you're not going to find that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But you will not find that with your service officers because most people do an 8 to 4 job or 9 to 5 job. And this, right, right. I love being a veterans advocate and love doing this and just giving it from my heart. Because this past week, you know, someone tried telling me again I had no voice. And I'm like, no, I do have a voice. (laughs) You know, I had my voice taken away a long time ago. No, I have a voice. And it's taking courage to stand and I'm using my voice and I have courage to stand.
3: Denise, your thoughts on the subject?
5: Well, you know, um, I think no matter what we do, there's always going to be this issue. It, it's it's in our society, it's in our culture, um, so of course it'll be in our military. But um, I think the the big thing is is to have a clearly laid out action plan so that if somebody did happen to experience what we've all experienced they wouldn't do what i did and not report it they 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 would know that there's a clearly laid out action plan and that they, that even if they report it they will be safe um and they won't have a you know like get busted in rank or Railroad it out and lose their career, um, you know, I think if we could kind of take a look at a proactive approach and and an action plan along with that bill that that we want to lay out and put before the Senate and get passed for the military um, and then have have training you know all the way down to. The, the privates coming in That here's here's the action plan And just be part of the basic training That you know If you see something Report it if you, if you experience this Here's your action plan Here's your contact person You know I don't know How much that's changed over the years From when I was in But when I was in I had none of that And I I I kind of got swallowed up into the PTSD because I had no action plan. And, you know, you can go through something like that and not end up with severe PTSD. If if you get the right connections and the right help and somebody helps you through that trauma that, um, and go through the the processes of, you know, the grieving and the anger and all the different stages that you have to work through. But for someone like me, I had no help. Um, my friends basically, I was talking, somebody else asked me that question, did your friends walk away from you? And I, I, Yeah, they did. You know, so basically I just kind of internalized it all, shut the door, and then years later, you know even when I got out of the military that's when the PTSD kind of became full frontal and I I still didn't have any help you know I didn't know what to do with all that stuff and you know that's one of the hopes with Sierra and that's is that we can help with that we can lay out action plans and connect people to people and hopefully be one of these go-to places where we have the answers. And if we don't have the answers, we know who does.
3: And uh, as someone who's recently got out of the military, that actually has changed. When you go through basic training, there is that whole, you, you get a briefing, you get a, like what you like to call in the military, death by PowerPoint on sexual assault and sexual harassment. <laughs> And the sharp representatives come out for the Army, Sark for the Air Force, Sapper uh, for the Navy. But they come out and they talk to you about it and you get the numbers, and you, you get that whole, if you see something, say something. And I think that is one of the most, from what I've talked to people who have experienced this, one of the most demoralizing, and I can only imagine demoralizing things about the process is that You're told to see something, say something. You're told that there are people that care. And then when it happens to you, there are the chains of command, the people that you have entrusted, your faith, your wife even, and they they turn their back on you in some cases. And your friends turn their back on you. And people who know it's happening just turn a blind eye and a cold shoulder to the situation. And I can't imagine how much more devastating it is when you know it's a problem. There's training on it, there's briefings on it, and it still happens and it still happens that way to where you're you left just as helpless as
6: that moment when it happened. I think it has to be real. You have to ask. NSOs or you have to ask commanders or um, lower level uh, unit leaders, if this were your daughter or if this were your son, how would you feel? You treat this claim like it's your daughter coming to you and telling you, Dad, this happened to me. And if you can do that, then that's where the empathy comes in. And until you do that, and that's really about the people you pick to put in these positions. It's really about um not accepting that culture can't change. Culture can change. It has for the, for the numerous uh, decades and, and centuries that our country has, has been in, in existence, but it always took provocation. Somebody who was willing to challenge the status quo and decide, even if I've got to give up everything, damn it, this is going to change. And I feel like it shouldn't just be the woman veterans. We have to have men willing to step up and say, Look, I'm not going to go with popular opinion. I'm not going to laugh with you when you make these jokes because I have a daughter or a sister or a wife who's in the military. We have to present those narratives to people so that they start to empathize a little more and see themselves in the same position as the person who was attacked and stop victim blaming because you have the advantage because if you blame the victim or, or because everybody generally likes you and, and 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 doesn't want to see unit cohesion impacted by your loss. That's got to change. And as women as- rise to more ranks of of prominence in the military, I love seeing it because I'm again I'm thinking about my four little girls. I love seeing the more generals, the more colonels, the more sergeants major. You know, the more women who break through. Um, that's when you'll have commanders in a position to take what they've experienced and apply it to a fact pattern where they have to decide whether a Marine sailor or soldier did the wrong thing. Right now you don't have that. You have people that are divorced from that reality. They may have done it and gotten away with it, or they may have never encountered it. And all they're thinking about is how do I keep my unit operational to the, um, to the detriment of a few who are now a problem. And that's not going to happen on its own. That's why this law is so important. It's not going to happen. Just because you put it in some kind of regulation, it's got to be a law that can be enforced. That way, people, the folks on this line, on this, on this um, station right now, can advocate from a position of authority, which is the law, when these things happen.
0: Exactly. Now,
3: Sherman. Now, Sherman. Since we have you on the line, and we we discussed a, a little bit about the bill going through right now. Um, do you, do you have any discussion that you could add from that, being from Nationals and our Chief Strategy Officer? What, what can you tell us about this bill and AMVETS' stance on it, and, and how did AMVETS
6: get involved in this bill? Well, I'm going to credit Lisa for kicking us between the teeth, but the, you know, in our teeth, about why we weren't doing more on this issue, and we need that. Lisa, I don't and know if you remember. And she'll be on at 9 o'clock. Um, oh, she'll be on later. Well, she kicked us yes, at and o'clock and o'clock in our mouth okay, and said, you know, why aren't you doing anything on this? And be honest with you, I didn't know about the bill. I knew nothing about it. But it turns out that we had taken a position before I joined the organization. But once you know better, you do better. And I'm not going to look back and say, okay, they didn't do anything. I'm going to say, now that I know, we need to do this. This isn't about um, anything other than doing the right thing. It's not about, you know, political maneuvering or anything like that. Once you are presented with information and compelled to do the right thing, you have no choice but to follow that compulsion. And that's what I did. And so what we did is we immediately threw our support behind the bill. We called up the congressional staff and said, this is make it happen. What do we need to do? Who's opposed? I went and studied some of the literature where it talked about the resistance and why some people found uh, reasons to oppose it. None of them are substantive. A lot of it has to do, again, with reinforcing the culture, what, what the status quo, uh, ex, you know, how it exists and and, and, and who wants to make, make sure that it stays in existence. Well, that's not why we exist. Uh, Anves doesn't exist just to support or sustain a status quo. We exist to provoke change when it's necessary for any veteran who's affected uh, by a wrong. And in order to be consistent with that, we have to put action behind our words. And we're going to do that. We're not going to see this thing... Um, we're going to see this thing to its end, and the only end we'll accept is passage by the Congress and signage by the president. Now, you,
3: you discussed some representatives that weren't supporting this bill. Now, I I don't know if, if you are able to, but are you in a position to where you could tell us which representatives those are that aren't supporting it?
6: So this some is really of our local easy.
3: veterans yeah. can go this out is- and –
6: this is really easy. Uh, hmm. Senator Gillibrand was the original champion, and there are 29 yep. legislatures that have supported it. Mm-hmm. Anybody whose name isn't on that list is not in support, and somebody needs to call their office, write a letter, write an email, and ask why. Why don't you support this? And some will okay, say, well, there's are, there, are, there are
0: organizations, sir. Say again?
6: Organizations,
0: sir. That? Our other organizations. If maybe if all big four came on together, that would give a better stance to our legislation.
6: Well, my, I'm scratching my head because I'm I'm trying to figure out, well, why wouldn't anybody support Hmm. this? But it's, yeah, but, but it's because of representation. Mm -hmm. You don't have enough people who are impacted represented in the leadership ranks of these organizations. Um, and I can't speak for them. I don't know why. I know that NAMVETS didn't jump in when it could have at the earliest moment, but they will now because I will insist that they do with our executive director, Joe Schinelli, support. He said, of course. Yes, sir. He's got kids like I do. You know. So, once it's, again, once you know better, you have to do better. And if these other organizations don't want to support it, then NAMVETS will run the lead position, walk the point, as we say in the military, until we get people courage enough, courageous enough. To stand up to the DOD Because this is really a DOD issue This isn't veterans benefits And I know that a lot of times Nobody wants to wade into those waters They're unfamiliar The DOD This is about commanders retaining authority This is about unicohesion And all the things Look, I was a Marine for 12 years I was also a commissioned officer And I never, ever let anybody get away with this stuff In fact, it didn't even come up Because the women Marines knew to come to me with this And I would deal with it I would handle it But, again, I'm speaking from a position of somebody who could empathize. Well, this needs to propagate at the top levels, all right? And when we're talking about stripping Uh authority from a unit commander, you're always going to get pushback because they're going to hide behind this idea that we're going to be depleted somehow in terms of unit readiness if we do this. And I call BS on that. Your unit is not at peak readiness just because the women or the men who are vulnerable to this uh, happening – uh, allow it to happen and can't report it. You're not better. And I think I said last week that these people who have gotten all the combat awards and have gone through the boards and have sailed through, um, they're not good Marines. They're not good soldiers. They're not. They're not good people and they need to go. You can find somebody who's empathetic and who's not going to be a, a predator to do the same things if you make that a part of the culture. And I love the idea of there being consequences like sex offender status attached. Maybe somebody will pause when they're, when they're in, that, in that drunken state and, and somebody's passed out and, and there's that moment where they have to think about what's going to happen if I do this. There needs to be something there that gives them that pause. And you need to make examples out of people before you can have that. But if they never make examples out of people, it's always going to be the case where he made a mistake or she made a mistake and we need to forgive it. We don't want to do readiness. <laughs> Let's just move on. You get out. You're going to get your benefits. Just tell the story. Well, wait a minute. There was no investigation. I don't have names. I don't have samples of of fluid. I don't have anything that's going to help me substantiate this claim. And by the way, I don't know this until I get out and I'm hit with this information, and nobody in the DOD is going to help me find it. That's what we're up against. You have to have a conviction in order to successfully prove a claim of MST. And they're not going to do that easily. You have to make them do that. And so if you put O sixes who have prosecutorial experience, and that's their job, that's their job to investigate and to dispose of these cases, you have a better chance of having an objective fact finder go in and be compelled to do the right thing because that's what their licensure requires as attorneys. We need to have that in the system. Now, I, I never rose to the rank high enough to
3: where I would know this answer, so I'm going to ask if anybody knows it. But it would seem that the, the Secretary of the Department of Defense, if, if we've all been – those of us who have been in the military and those who haven't, memorandums can be generated from command. And it seems like the Secretary of the Army, the Secretary of the Navy – the secretary of the Department of Defense have the authority to change policy within, without having to have Congress pass legislation. Is that a route that we could pursue, or they could pursue? Like, is is this something we could call the, that that veterans could call the Department of Defense and try to
6: get that policy pushed down that way? Can, can I take a stab at uh, that real quick, and we'll then I'll defer. To the ladies, I just because I want to make this point, I was in the Marine Corps in the mid 90s when tailhook happened. anybody remember tailhook? Uh-huh. Tailhook was a, a hotel in Las Vegas where you had a bunch of pilots sexually uh-huh. assault and batter um, a bunch of women pilots, fellow women pilots and do you know what happened after the commandant came down on the Marine Corps and imposed all these rules and things you can't do this you can't call them. Uh, women marines anymore you can't you know all the superficial things you know what happened and i hate to put it this way i'm just going to say it monica Lewinsky happened it's culture that's what happened after tailhook how the hell are you going to tell a bunch of pilots 20-somethings to check their behavior and i'm just calling it like i see it i'm not trying to be partisan i'm just going to tell you this was my experience as a young impressionable Marine. At that time, and I said to myself, you know, we see more cases where people believe that women Marines were on a witch hunt than actual substantiated cases, except I do go to the E-Club, and I do walk walk through the barracks, and I see these instances where, wow, that's not going to turn out well. I see this one WM, we call them WMs at the time, she's leaving the base, they're on foot because none of them can afford cars, they're walking to the the country western borough side of the gate. And that's what it was. I'm not trying to typify or anything, but that's what it was. And then you hear a story about how something happened, memories blacked out. We know something happened, but whose fault? Well, whose fault is it when passes out and can't consent and others take liberties? And we need to be clear about whose fault that is. And if I know that I'm going to be labeled a child, not a child, a uh, sex offender, if I do this, even in a drunken state, believe me, there's, there are moments of clarity. There are points in time where you make a decision and you make that decision based on the consequences. And if you heard about some Sergeant Staff Sergeant Gunny who got kicked out, he had a combat action ribbon, he had a bronze star, but they still nailed him. You don't want to be that. You're like, Whoa, I, I can't go down this road. You know, I can't go down this road. And, 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 that's how you change the culture though You have to provoke the change Impose the change It's not going to change just because uh, The general who's, who's a very and In fact he, is, he has said that Sexual assault is, is One of the greatest enemies of our, of our military today He has said it but that's not enough Because people don't associate The wisdom of General Mattis With the thought process they use On a Friday night After everyone's gotten pain And they're getting ready to go out or they've left the club, and it's got to change.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Ladies, there in anyone court? of you that
4: wants to jump in? Well, I had a question about the um, part where if a women, woman marine, or um, a woman soldier goes to a, a club and something that slipped in their drink and then they have no recollection or memory because they've passed out um, whatever happened to no consent is non consent
6: the problem is and if something evidence go ahead it's when you would you have one person's story against a story of seven other guys who either participated or had something to do with Ripening the environment for that to happen and not standing up and saying, Hey, dude, don't do this. I'm not trying to be affiliated with this. People saw you and I, you know, I, there has to be that sort of self check. Otherwise, you've got these conspiracies At form, and I'm not overstating it. They're going to say, Hey, did you, you know, we're going to say that we dropped her off and left the room. And whatever she says, is she going to go get a rape kit done uh, through NIS? Is, is she going to bring that on herself if she's pending promotion? Or if she's trying to fit in because everybody's been isolating her, she wanted to go out and drink with the guys because it's it's. I, I know the story. I was on a, a an air wing where you have a lot more women because the jobs are more open. You know the uh, technical jobs and and all those things. So you have right. that happen more often than you would have in the infantry, and it would always fall back on the reputation of the woman. And it's not freaking fair. It's not freaking fair. And excuse my sort of soft uh, French there, but it's not it's fair. Okay. And when I, look at my, when I look at my four girls, I'm like, you know, I'll be damned if I let some sergeant do this and he get away with it. I hope the system deals with him because I will deal with them if they don't. That's my attitude, and it has to be prevalent across the branches. You have to have that attitude as a commander. I'm not saying you got to look at them like they're your daughters, but you look at them like you're responsible to return them to society the way you got them or their parents. Look at them as people. You know, so I'm saying a lot, but I'm, I'm just passionate about this because it's it's a real thing. It's not abstract for
0: me. We have one Indiana senator here in Indiana, Senator Joe Donnelly. He supports this um, bill, the Military Justice Improvement Act of
6: 2017. He supports it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Excellent. They all should support it or give a reason why not. If they don't – and I know how D.C. works. If you don't support it, Senator or congressman, congresswoman, tell me why not. Maybe there's something we can do to improve it so that you will support it. But to stand back and act like this doesn't – this isn't a problem or because the majority of the legislature, the legislative body doesn't support it, you're safe. They don't need to be safe. We need to have people calling them up and saying, hey, what are you doing about this? If not, you might there's an election. Maybe, maybe not, but at least put it out there. Or tell a story. Tell a real story about what happened in some legislature's district. This happened in your district on your watch. What are you going to do about it? I can't change what happened to me. What are you going to do about it so that it doesn't happen to a bunch of other people in your district who vote, who have family who votes? Take a stand. Be courageous. There was a reason why the 29 legislatures decided to sign on. I want to know why the other Uh, 400 and whatever the number is, didn't sign on to this immediately. I want to know what that reason is. Lazy thinking? You're bought off by DOD? You've got some favor? I don't know. I don't know what the reason could be. But this is a no-brainer for me. That's why we jumped behind it as soon as it was brought to our attention. Thank you. I I did did want
3: to mention something. This was – this is a recollection. I think this is kind of something that flips the thought of what crosses those lines and what could be considered sexual assault. So earlier on in my career, um, we had gotten a new female medic to the, the TMC or the battalion aid station. And a lot of the, you know, younger enlisted and some of the even senior NCOs, you know, recognized that she was a, pretty young woman and she was on sick call that day so a lot of people went in claiming that they had a hernia and for anybody that doesn't understand how you check for a hernia it's that turn your head and cough and I now that I'm older and I'm more mature and now I think about this it can't I can't help but think that that woman was because it was her job because if she turned away an exam that's her career she could never work in that field again, but, you know, she was literally forced to, you know, have to touch people's genitalia because if she did it that was her job, but the only purpose that it was serving was because they
6: wanted her to touch it. Now, how did you know that? Because it's about intent at this point. How did you know for a fact that that was their intent when they went in? Did they say it? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and- oh,
3: man, I think I feel a hernia coming on today. Hey, you yeah, seen that and, and that pneumatic no, we got at the station? Yeah, dude, I think I have a really good That's on so on bull
0: Crap,
6: and it, it is. So, it it's is so it, it, okay. So, but let me ask you this: so when you hear that, imagine then it's your sister. What would mm-hmm. you do? I, my sister oh, did I join the Marine Corps. We served at the same. So that's the attitude you have to have. Mm-hmm. So you guys are stupid, and I'm going to let her know that that's what you guys are doing. Or you just go tell her. You're going to have a string of guys come in. It's that kind of boldness? Is that kind of going against the grain? I know it's not traditional. It's not conventional. But if that's your sister, you're going to go to her and say, you got a bunch of guys talking about coming in here for hernia checks. Anybody who comes in here for a hernia check that doesn't in turn have a hernia, you'll be convicted. You're going to get Article 15 and dealt with because we don't do that here. That's the attitude. What what uh, What if another woman sailor. You're in the Navy, right? What if, what if a woman sailor would have... What if a woman soldier would have heard that same conversation? What would she have done? Laughed along with the guys or probably said something about it? She would have said something. Exactly. So you have to put yourself in the position of a woman soldier who might have heard the same thing and not go along with it.
3: And I'm going to be honest with you, in some situations I have seen female soldiers just giggle and pass on and and then afterward walk away with a grimace because they didn't want to be
6: ostracized. Nobody is saying that this isn't a problem that involves male and female. There are women veterans, I'm sorry, women service members who are also guilty of sexual assault, believe it or not. It happens. So it's not a gender issue, and I think that's that's sort of the misnomer that we live with. That this is about gender This isn't about gender This is about right and wrong and If you happen to be a woman Doing the wrong thing Because you're in a position of authority And you've got I'll give you an example um, A real live example A woman A woman um, A woman Instructor over DI school students Who would insist That all the males do. What's, what's the, the exercise Where you lay down on the ground And you have to Form a letter Y and close And form a letter Y and close And she would walk up and down the ranks watching all these guys do this thing with their silk PT shorts. Now, that in itself is not bad. But when you talk about it with another woman Marine,
2: when you make it known,
6: but but I'm telling you, that's how insidious it is. It's not always touching or an aggressive battery. It's as Mm -hmm. insidious as somebody taking advantage of a position they have to satisfy some sort of weird urge or some sort of weird... A uh, Form of control and by her walking up And down the ranks while these men were laying You know with just jock straps and shorts And she thought it was funny Once she told somebody else That crystallized her intent That did it And if these men hear about it And she insists on putting them on the ground And doing the exercise Are those guys going to jump up and say Hey I'm not comfortable doing this because it feels like we're, we're, we're being exploited here Who's going to do that In a typical Marine Corps platoon some might laugh about it. Some might think, "Okay, this is a cool thing." But it's not funny because it feeds into the narrative that in the military this stuff is okay, regardless of gender and 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 uh power position. It's not okay. And to, to, and if she to to that instructor out. would have known, if that instructor would have been told that if you do this again or if you continue with this, you'll be a sex offender. You may get labeled. A, she might've stopped, but that doesn't happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, I don't know when everybody was in, but you know, when I was in the PT shorts, didn't have in the beginning a underlying, there was no lining right. underneath the PT shorts. There was just shorts. And in some of the units I was in, and I don't know if this has happened in some of yours, uh, for some of our guests, um, it was a standing order that you couldn't wear anything under your PT shorts. That I wore that was it. just what you wore.
4: No, see, our PT shorts, that had the lining, and then we were required to wear those spandex biker shorts under that.
3: Yeah, well, in, in some units I was... Told you couldn't wear anything underneath it, and then you would have both male and female when you're doing your sit-ups or one of those exercises. That you know, I would see males and females. Like there would be a female, and she's like, "Oh, I wanna, I wanna hold his feet. I wanna hold his feet today." Or a male, I wanna hold her feet today for their for Prop. their PT exam. Mm-hmm. Just just to look up the shorts, and and I I think these are things that people just don't associate, like how how just overall expansive this is as a problem within our military. It doesn't mm-hmm. just involve sexual assault. It doesn't just involve what we typically think of as sexual harassment. It is the you know the covert, the 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 subliminal harassment and attempts to to mm-hmm. pervert what we have come to know and love and serve. You know, we, we've all given up what are the most prime, valuable years of our life. And, you know, some of us have given up the ability to walk, the ability to, to hold our children. And, and we have done this in the name of a military that cannot respect somebody's personal and most intimate parts of their life. Mm-hmm.
0: And they still can't respect it out here in the outside world now either.
2: Mm-hmm. And some
1: of these now very very quickly, guys. Lisa has joined us. Lisa is actually on. Let me do something. I want to put her on. Let me just run a really quick PSA so I can pay the bills folks, don't go anywhere. This is Ambeth Radio 69. There was really no smooth place to cut in, so I just figure uh, I'll, I, I really didn't have much of a choice, because otherwise we'll get to 10 minutes into the end of the show, and then we didn't pay our bills. So give us one second, folks. We are going to be right back with Ambeth Radio, show number 69. If you're listening to Ambeth Radio, you're already interested in building the organization. And we all know that the key to our continued growth is getting the Gulf War and later veterans involved. So I want to suggest that you go to communicate with them where they already are. That's right, online. Your post needs a fresh, current web page and a Facebook page to bring them there. Veterans Web Design is just who you need to help get the job done. At Veterans Web Design, their mission is to help veteran service organizations grow and prosper through the use of the internet. To find out more, visit www.veteranswebdesign.com.
4: If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans and your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. Even if you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at Amvets.com.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to AMVETS Radio Show number 69. I apologize for the break. I would like to now introduce and bring back on to AMVETS Radio, Miss Lisa Wilkin. Lisa, how are you doing, dear?
7: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on this evening. I'm sorry I missed out on the first hour of this great show, but I was at a veteran town hall meeting listening to Veterans Voices and communicating with our legislators so we can help hold them accountable. Wonderful. Um, tonight, well, y'all I, keep going. I'm excited well, about hey, hey, the conversation Perry, tonight.
6: Wait, Perry, can I cut in for a second because I'm going to have to jump off. Um, I really, I didn't yes. intend to come in and talk about the issue, and I'm glad to do it, but I really just wanted to alert uh, Tennessee area uh, veterans that we're hosting a town hall and it's hosting a town hall tomorrow at 1 p.m. It's being held at the 117th um, Regional Training Institute uh, in Smyrna, t- Tennessee. It's going to be open to any veteran, family member, caregiver who wants to talk about this issue or any other issue related to VA health care or any matter related to uh, veterans today. So I wanted to make sure before I got off, which I have to get off in a few minutes, that uh, anybody listening who might be in the area and can attend, coming out tomorrow at 1 p.m., it's going to be a, a great discussion because it's going to be all about you. It's not going to be about people or DOD people coming in, telling you what they're doing. We want to hear from you and take that message back to D.C. And, uh, Lisa, thank you for all the work you've been doing on this. I'm real proud of you.
7: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, this is a difficult topic, but it's a topic that we have to be willing to talk about because if we can't talk about it, then we can't get changes made. And so I appreciate everyone Um being willing to come out of their comfort zone and talk about this topic. Because one of the things we need to understand is why does rape in the military have such long-lasting effects on our men and women who are survivors? And it is worthy of note that you have the possibility of experiencing traumatic stress from any trauma that you incur. Our combat veterans experience a specific kind of post-traumatic combat stress, but the post-traumatic stress suffered from rape in the military has deeper mental health issues that it arises, and I think that's worthy of our conversation a little bit tonight. Does anybody else have any thoughts on... um, how um difficult it is to heal the wounds of rape in the military.
3: Definitely I believe it deserves discussion. First I want to ask Sherman. Sherman are you going to be at that town hall tomorrow? Before you get off the air? Did we lose Sherman already? Bummer. I think
1: so. Well hold on let me That's check. A bummer. <laughs> Yeah, he's gone. Oh, well.
3: But going back to your point, Lisa, I mean, it, 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 that but is that, very important. He will to be about.
6: there. Hey, Alex, Alex, he will be there. Awesome.
3: He,
2: he, okay.
3: but, but, Lisa, that is very important to talk about. I mean, not only does this – now, I've never experienced this, but I have many friends, both male and female, who have experienced this some single, some married, and not only does this affect your perspective on life going forward, but from, from just knowing these friends, it affects future relationships and current relationships. Some people are sexually harassed and assaulted while they are currently married, which can I can only assume causes a vast amount of effects on a marriage or relationship. So I'd I'd like to open the floor to some of those who have experienced it.
7: Think about it this way. Um, The act of intimacy is a physical act that can be either the most joyous event in your life or it can be the most evil event in your life. And because of that, it affects every part of that human being because it affects their intimacy, it affects their judgment, and everyone realizes we all have our own inner voice that we discuss things with ourselves with. The inner voice of a military sexual trauma veteran because they have the inability to get justice is always reinforcing that you are not worthy you are meaningless, you are worthless. And that compounds the mental health issues that that veteran has to deal with. And that's why the Military Justice Improvement Act that gives that troop the possibility of justice for the violent crime, that's why it's so important. Because if we can give the possibility of justice, That inner voice isn't as loud telling that veteran that they're not worth anything because they had the possibility of getting justice for that violent crime. And that's another top. We need to make sure that we're not relating rape as a sex crime. It's a crime of violence, and we need to identify that.
3: I do believe we do need to identify that, but but Lisa, I, I don't know if you listened to the first half of the show. One of the the questions I that was posed to me, and and I'd like to relay is, and 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 I I'd like to ask you because you seem to be quite the champion of this issue. Now, are some is it true that some veterans, even after facing a military tribunal for military sexual assault, um. Still aren't required to register sex offenders in the community once they get out.
7: That's exactly right. Um, unfortunately, the system that we currently have um, within the military generally what happens is those cases are pleaded down so they are not recorded as sex crimes because. There's a reason that the chain of command doesn't want those types of charges to go forward. It looks weak upon the chain of command if something like that was allowed to occur under their command. So they will brush it under the rug. They will charge them with a lesser offense. And what that does is it gives that sex offender the ability to practice and and. Um, Correct their crime And perfect it And so when they retire Or they actually um, Separate from the military They come out into All of our local communities Well practiced And with no criminal background And that's another reason This is so important Because it's important To protect our men and women Who volunteer to serve it's also important to protect our neighbors and our children. It definitely is.
3: And I don't know if you've been in the dating scene recently, but I I know for a fact a lot of people will do like a small like Google search of a person they're going on a date with. And, you know, I I, I mean, I I can only assume that if you Google someone's name and they're a sex offender, that's going to pop up. And by not allowing that, I mean, now you're allowing them to go free and clear, and and possible victims have zero way of knowing. Not even a Google search could pull that up.
7: That's exactly right, and it's terrifying to me. I can tell you.
3: That terrifies me for my cousins and my sisters.
7: Before my attacker was put out of the military on an other than honorable discharge in of court martial, my commander promised me that he would make sure it was annotated on all of his records, why he was given that discharge so that if he applied for jobs in the future, it would be on his training records. But that doesn't happen in every case. and, Civilians can't look at your training records. We need to make sure that these cases are prosecuted appropriately and that our branches of service are reporting those convictions so that the databases are accurate. Because we all know what the recidivism, the repeat rate of sexual crimes, it is very high. If you have a person who commits a sex crime, it's more than likely that, that they have completed that crime at least twice prior to when they are caught.
3: And it's from my psychological training and my you know, I I I've gone to school for for psychology and most sexually-based crimes are crimes of of ego the the offender is is doing it to conflate some deep-seated ego or chip that they have or some narcissistic need that they have to further that self-image and each time they get away with it it further inflates it to where they feel invincible and it further conflates that need to keep you know peacocking and fluffing
6: those feathers
7: That's exactly right, because sexual assault is not a sex crime. It is a crime of violence and control. We talked about this on the last show, that that is the reason that our authorities no longer give the drugs to make sexual predators not able to function sexually, because they will find another way to inflict that pain and exert their control. And so that's why we need to deal with this properly and make sure that people who are offenders within the military go to jail within the military. And the people that need to be making the decision of who is prosecuted for rape needs to be the prosecutor on that military installation. They know the uniform code of military justice. Not only that, they know what cases are winnable and what cases the evidence support not that the assault didn't occur but that it's provable in a military court because we would never want to have to put a victim through that process when there's no possibility of justice because all that does is re-victimize them and cause more damage and that's what the military justice improvement act can help stop is to help stop damaging victims during a time when they need to be having the ability to heal from the violent crime that they have survived. And I say this on a regular basis, that the letters MST, which stand for Military Sexual Trauma, they are the Department of Defense and our Department of Veterans Affairs cowardly way of categorizing categorizing us rape survivors of friendly fire. It's horrible to think that this is happening to our men and women, but it is. And our men and women who wear the uniform honorably want it stopped, and that's why if we all reach out to our elected officials and let them know we support the Military Justice Improvement Act, we can get it done. Make it an election issue. Here in Indiana, we have a very, very hot Senate race. We have one senator in Indiana that's already a co-author, co-sponsor on Senate 2141, the Military Justice Improvement Act. Senator Joe Donnelly has been a supporter of this legislation from its inception. So I want to hear from Mike Braun, who is challenging him to represent us Hoosiers in Washington, D.C. The 409,000 Hoosier veterans would like to hear from Mike Braun of whether or not you support the Military Justice Improvement Act. And right there with you is Senator Todd Young. Where is your support, Senator Young? You are my brother in arms, a veteran yourself. Where's your opinion and stance on the Military Justice Improvement Act? We need a person with a voice in every state to make this issue a topic so our legislators, who we elect, can't hide from the ugly topic of rape in the military. What are you going to do about it officials? Let's hear from them.
3: Well, Lisa, were you listening to the show uh before you came on? I I was I'm just curious.
7: I apologize. No, I was participating in a veteran town hall meeting during the first hour of the show.
3: Well, I we also just notes. before you just before you came on, we uh we had also discussed not just that, but but some of the overt and um, subliminal ways that sexual harassment occurs. Like I was giving some examples early on in my career, as you know, medics, you know, if they don't give, you know, physicals, they, that's their career. They could, they could be, you know, forced out. And we had just gotten a, a new medic to our battalion aid station and she was uh, rather attractive. And a lot of the younger, lower enlisted and a lot of the senior enlisted you know you would hear them talking like oh i'm going to you know i feel a hernia coming on and as you all as we all know that's the turn your head and cough exam and that was one of the ways and and she was kind of forced into a sexual assault because of her career and you know in my, you know, I don't know if you had to wear, sp- you know, spandex or anything underneath your PTs, but when I was in in the beginning of my career, there's no liner, and some units made it mandatory that you didn't wear anything underneath. So you would see both males and females saying, oh, I want to hold his feet at the, P- at the sit-up exam. You know, I want to hold her feet at the PT sit-up exam. And it's just these... These ways of, you know, overt and, and subliminal harassment that go on that most people don't even think of, that is so prevalent and profound within our military that it's, it's almost embarrassing to even say I wore the uniform.
7: Um, I think that happens all the time. Um, it's not just in the military; um, it's in the civilian settings also. It's the same instance of. Um, A a man opens the door for a woman It's a very chivalrous thing to do But then that man stands in the doorway So you have to squeeze your body between his and the door frame There's a reason Mm -hmm. for that It's the same thing when you tell someone I'm not a hugger And they grab you and hug you anyway We have to start respecting each other And that's where I think um, a lot of times in the military women are at a disadvantage because females in the military, we knew we were joining the armed services. We knew we were not joining a sorority. And so I believe what happens a lot of times is um, people don't want to say something because they don't want to be labeled as that person. Let me give you an example. A, a a person puts their hands on you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable and is inappropriate, and you put a stop to it. And then you see that person do the exact same thing to another female. And when that is brought to the attention of the leadership, what the leadership is worried about is how that will reflect upon them or the unit. And so they, they ask that female if the perpetrator apologizes to you, is that enough? Because if it's not, X, Y, and Z could happen to the unit. They put pressure on the victim to basically be willing to just live with it. And that's the, the ultimate um, pressure that's used within the military is don't dishonor the unit. And we see that mm-hmm. not only in the military, we see that um, in the civilian sector within sometimes our, our, mil- our veterans groups, the same pressures put on to accept behavior that is not acceptable. And as women, as females, we have been conditioned all of our lives that if you speak up, you're that loudmouth female If you speak up, oh, you're that woman. And those are the things that I believe the Me Too movement is helping to change because there is strength in numbers. That's why we have a buddy system in the military, and you never leave your buddy behind. Our buddy system in the military saves men and women from being assaulted, and that should be destroyed. to our american people and this issue of sexual assault in the military we really need to relate it to a national security issue and the reason i say that is because if our men and women in the military are being assaulted and not have the possibility of justice How likely is it in the future that our men and women are going to want to continue to serve? We saw the numbers for sexual assault go up yet again this year. Is it that it's worse than it used to be? I don't think so. More men and women have the courage and the ability to speak up. And if we give them the option or the true ability for justice, we're going to see more speaking up, and we're going to see more of those perpetrators dealt with properly, and we will then eventually see the numbers start to go down. And that's the ultimate goal. I
3: definitely feel that that. I, I speak for every American when we say that's the ultimate goal. The, the shame is, is you know, it, it, it shouldn't be on the victim to dishonor the unit. It was the offender who dishonored the unit by taking those actions. They dishonored the unit. They dishonored the uniform. And to pressure somebody in a situation like that is one of the most Despicable things I think a human can do, knowing that somebody just went through one of the worst instances of their life, to to try to persuade them in some lack sense of you know morals and honor and code to protect an offender of, of that proportion is, is I have no words. It's just it's disgusting.
7: And it's not just in our military. I'll use the example here in our home state of Indiana. Right now, we have a controversy going on with our Indiana Attorney General because there are accusations that have been made by four separate women that he assaulted them in a sexual nature at an end-of-session party at the end of the Indiana General Assembly. And when those allegations were brought to light, the leadership within our Indiana General Assembly, four leaders, two Democrats, two Republicans, instead of walking across the hall and bringing the Indiana Inspector General into the issue to have the issue investigated, they decided to have a private law firm do the investigation. And as part of that investigation, They didn't even talk to the accused They did not interview the accused And then that information was leaked to the public Star of those four victims Being able to seek any type of justice When the whole process was tainted from the start And three of those four men that made the decision to have it investigated by a private law firm, three of those four are attorneys. Why is it that these types of allegations are not taken seriously? Another point to be made is the way women are treated and men when they report these crimes. We have to answer questions about what were you wearing? Did you talk to them? Have you ever been on a date with that person? If you get your purse stolen, nobody asks you what you were wearing. If your car gets broken into, no one says, oh, did you just wash your car and was it all shined up that night? But yet when your person, your physical person is assaulted, you have to justify that you didn't do anything to warrant that assault. And those are the kinds of attitudes we have to change. We have to change the attitudes that it is a he said, she said issue. We have to change the attitude that women use this as an excuse to get by with things or to better their careers. And we need to be able to... Ask our good men, because there are a lot of them out there, stop being silent. When you see this, say something. When you see that guy at the end of the bar at a veterans organization acting poorly, say something. When you are deployed and you see harassment going on, stand up and say something. There is definitely strength in numbers that victims can't do it on their own, that officials can't do it on their own. We need the general public to take this issue seriously, and it is a very serious issue that affects not only the veteran, but it affects that veteran's family. It affects that veteran's family in a way that most people wouldn't understand. Intimacy between partners. I have a 17-year-old son. I have a hard time hugging my own 17 year old son because of my service connected disabilities. It affects your relationships with the people you love most because it damages a person at their core. And if we can prevent our men and women from suffering that severe damage. We may not ever eradicate sexual assault because the military is just a cross-section of society that we can stop the damage that the process causes. And that's what the Military Justice Improvement Act does. And by AMVETS National coming out with a letter of support, what that does is it says to our elected officials across the country Because AMVETS is across the country. It says to them that there are people watching what we're doing, and they're going to let our voters know. And that's why it's important to speak up and support the Military Justice Improvement Act.
0: Lisa, earlier when we were on, we mentioned i don't know and someone else can help me if i've got this wrong we mentioned about if we could add to that bill about where something about the sexual assault what was that mentioned to where the soldier or the service member
3: where they would have to be on a registry or that it would be put on their member four copy of their 214 did you hear that
0: lisa
7: i i did hear that um and in all reality, um, if a if someone is convicted of rape, the Military Justice Improvement Act um, already um, makes that. So if you are convicted of rape, it is auto, an automatic dishonorable discharge, and so it is noted by having a dishonorable discharge on the DD214, but. What should already be happening, if you are convicted of rape in the military, the military should be sending that information so that you are registered as a sex offender. The problem with that is is if you're con- convicted, we'll use Indiana as an um, example, and you're convicted on a base in Indiana uh, in, of, of rape, And need to go on the sexual offenders list After you serve your time And you get out and you move Are you registered on the sex offenders list In the new state that you live in Is it a national registry We need to make sure that our military convictions Are listed on the national sex offender registry
0: Okay, I'm writing that down
7: We need a vehicle bill for the Military Justice Improvement Act. The original intent would be to add the Military Justice Improvement Act to the National Defense Authorization Act. That boat Mm -hmm. has sailed. More than likely, this legislation is dead in this year's session. It will have to come up in future sessions. Until we have another vehicle bill. Um, unfortunately, could it be attached to the
3: National Defense Spending Bill?
7: It could be attached to the National Defense Spending Bill, but it's not something that, that it looks like they're looking at, at attaching. It's not going to get a markup. And so um, what that does do for us is it gives us the ability to rally the troops, to be able to send a strong message to our elected officials, It also gives our veteran service organizations the ability to come out in support of this legislation, and it gives us advocates at the grassroots level the ability to make this an election issue. That's what our veterans have a problem. We have a political problem as veterans, and this is our political problem as veterans. The majority party does not believe that we can get our veterans to make our veteran issues important enough to use in the voting chamber. They do not believe that we can make veterans issues important enough that our members will vote against them because of veterans issues. And therefore, they feel as though they can do whatever they want or not do whatever it is we want because they do not feel we will rise up against them and use our veteran vote and cross that majority party line and that is the cross that our veterans organizations need to carry of sending the message that veterans issues are not right or left and that we will work with either party on veterans issues We will also give it to either party on veterans' issues. And that's where our veterans' organizations need to come together and rally the support of our veteran voting bloc. We need our veterans to vote as a voting bloc to get some things done. We need more veterans at our state houses around the country. We need more veterans in Washington. When we have veterans who represent us at our state houses and in Washington, D.C., they respect the true cost of war. The officials who like to get their picture taken with veterans and they like to get the endorsement of a veteran wearing one of our veterans organization's caps, they need to be held accountable for their votes, for their action, and for their inaction, and they don't believe we'll do it. That is our problem as veterans. It's a political issue for us.
3: Now, folks, we, we we're coming close on fifteen minutes left. And if you've listened to the show, you know that I usually play the role of devil's advocate because I don't fear it's. I don't think it's fair to our guests that we have just one side. Um. Uh. uh one of our listeners posed a question to me and is a little once again afraid to ask because. They're not a veteran, but they want to ask because this this does relate to military sexual assault. It's it's a two two phase prop question, and this is for all of the guests. Um, I just ask that you be respectful of each other while we're talk while they're talking. The first question is is how do you feel alcohol plays a role and in cases where both parties. Are equally intoxicated to the same blood alcohol content, both being conscious, how do you determine who raped who?
0: No alcohol in Iraq.
7: Okay. The issue of alcohol seems to cloud the the topic because people seem to think that alcohol can be used as an excuse for two ways. It can be used as an excuse of, oh, I didn't know what I was doing from the male perspective. And then it can also be used from the the female perspective of, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. And so what it boils down to and what the law reads is that um, alcohol is not an excuse for, for a defense and a crime. And so if a person is intoxicated, if it, if both of them are intoxicated, and the woman says no, and the intoxicated man forces her, that's rape. Does that answer that question?
3: I think what he's looking for is like, you know, when... Like, let's say the day after, both of them are conscious, both of them are equally intoxicated, and the woman says, and there was no negative consent, there was no, like, no, I'm not, you know, it was mutually consensual up until that point, the woman next day was like, I was intoxicated, I didn't really know what I was doing, I feel as though I was raped. then that's
7: a case where that is unfortunately a he said she said scenario and that would be something that all of the information put together would make the decision um you know i i i, I want to say the it sounds like the question is coming from a standpoint of which is something we hear a lot is it is an excuse and a reason that Um, People don't believe um, rape victims is because, well, um, they just had, you know, remorse the day after and therefore they said they didn't know what they were doing and then called it rape. That's what's so great about our system is if that is the case, it will come out. I can tell you, you can't fake symptoms of post-traumatic stress, and you can't lie your way through a legal system. It will catch you every time. And, And for somebody who had such a horrible experience with the process and the system, I have faith that if the system is allowed to be used, the system will sort that out. And then I 100% support that if you have someone that it is found that they have used an allegation of rape falsely to get out of trouble, to um, protect their reputation, and they have accused someone of a crime falsely, that person needs to be prosecuted because by doing that, you hurt the chances of future victims Ability to get justice. I've had people tell me stories of things that have occurred to them that they thought were rape. I've I've lived it, I know. I support the system and the process working through. And I would never want someone to be put through something uh, that they didn't need to be but that's what the system is for, and it will work that out. And the truth comes out in the end. We just have to get the ability for the truth to come out. And so um, that would be my answer on that question. Um, it, is, it sounds like it's an after afterthought of remorse and an excuse being made. That, that will be found out through the, a proper investigation. And then that should be dealt with,
3: I appreciate your candor and um i I will wait to see if I could get a response from our guest. Uh, does um, anybody I else would, have a opinion in the time
5: i I think that you know the the military ramifications for somebody who falsely accuses somebody of rape or military sexual assault should be just as um heavily weighted as somebody who did commit the crime. So that you are going to have
7: have somebody falsely accusing. I strongly agree with that because that will help victims um, have the ability to come out and tell their truth because if you're willing to come out and tell your truth being the private and, and degrading nature that rape is, and you're willing to do it knowing full well that if it's proven that you're lying or making it up, that you're going to get in just as bad of trouble as the person that you're accusing of raping you if they're found guilty. I think all that does is it helps um, validate the fact that if you have the courage to stand Mm -hmm. and speak your truth, people will listen to you. And that's the message I want to continue to bring, no matter how difficult it is and no matter how hard a fight of it, it is. If you are doing things the right way for the right reason and you are standing in the light of righteousness, tell your truth. Use it to help yourself and help others. And that's what we do as veterans. We serve And by continuing to work on this issue, men and women across the country are doing exactly what our large veteran service organizations like AMVETS are chartered to do. We are helping to protect and preserve benefits and services for our current men and women serving who will be veterans in the future and making things better for our men and women who don't even know that they're going to serve at this point. And so I thank AMVETS National Radio for having a a discussion like this, being willing to talk about this subject in a very charged political climate. When we have a, a sitting president who has been accused of the things that he's been accused of in the past, made the comments that we've all seen him make. We see our our news industry and our entertainment and our sports industry engulfed in scandals. And to have that have the fortitude and the strength to have a conversation and acknowledge that military sexual trauma is a problem that affects our men and women that's a start right there, and I appreciate um, Ambets National Radio and being willing to have this conversation.
1: To our guests. Okay, first you, of you all, I've been. Hold on, heads, Alex, heads. Hold, on. Oh. hold on, Alex, hold on. Hold on, Alex. I've been quiet no the whole time. <laughs> and the only reason why is because I, I felt it was necessary, ladies, for you and for Sherman. speak up to have an open floor again this show just so that you're aware this show is not funded by ambets national okay uh this show is called ambets radio because we were requested by commander polk to call it ambets radio i'm only correcting you for one reason because this topic is so sensitive that i would never want ambets national to feel as if they are 100% 100% responsible because they're not. We we chose to start this show in Tennessee. Now, that isn't what I wanted to share, but I just wanted to state that because I do want to protect Ambets in that manner so that it, 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 it isn't an issue there. Second of all, I want to share with you an illustration that is very, very important that I want you all to remember that if I were to leave this earth today and I'm remembered for just this illustration on this show, so be it. And if you have heard this illustration before, just humor me for a moment. There is a lady on a mountain and she's looking down the mountain onto the beach and see she sees another lady throwing things into the water. And so she's curious and she goes down to the beach and she goes to look and sees that the lady that's throwing things in the water, what she's doing is she's throwing starfish that are washing up on the water. And she says, well, and there were thousands. She says, well, you're not going to save all of them. Are you? She says, no, Uh but she bends down, picks one up, throws it in the water and says, but I just saved that one. Don't, Underestimate the impact of one voice and what it can do. Our goal on doing this show as a part two is if it has helped one person, guys, we've won. So don't lose hope if the whole world doesn't engage this conversation. When the city that I am from, Los Angeles, when Hollywood gives a-, a key to a porn star, for her dedication and commitment to a cause. Something is wrong in this world, and if we are surprised, don't be, because remember who this world belongs to. So while we're dealing with emotional issues and and issues relating to such an important topic, we have to remember that God is not on vacation, He is clearly engaged to this situation, and that's why he's allowed us to talk about it. Now, my voice is already going to be gone in about 10 seconds, I know it, but I just wanted to tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on tonight to talk about this. The topic that we're going to be talking about next week is another topic that is actually impacting more people than even this, and it has to do with with those that are homeless. Now a lot of, there are people listening right now to this show who are saying, well, you know, this sexual thing, th- this can be controlled. This is not really a problem. We know it is. We also know the people who are homeless don't choose to be homeless. Many of them, some do, but the goal is to continue. As you stated, I believe it was Lisa to continue this conversation. And unfortunately, um, we've got six minutes, and and I just I wanted to make sure that we that that we all feel comfortable enough to say that we have discussed the matter not in full because again there's still a lot more but I just want to make sure that on behalf of AMBITS Radio that we've given this topic enough attention.
2: Sure. Because I don't care. ever want anybody,
1: I just don't want anybody to ever look at the show and say, we didn't try to create a voice for those who didn't have a voice. That's, that, that's, that's just to protect the brand in itself. Because, again, this is not run by AMBETS National. We've asked them for help. They're considering it. They like, they love the show. As long as we can have someone from national on the show, they'll help promote the show. That's the reason why I was really glad that Sherman came on, because I want this message to continue. And I know they love the show and I know others love and believe in this show. The state of Arkansas gave almost 75% of their budget for the, for the year to help keep the show going. If that lets you ladies know just how, important this show is to arkansas well now
2: thank we we you so are going
1: to do a call go ahead uh,
7: thank you so much for having the show and being willing to do it and give um give us a voice so that we can lend our voice to those who haven't found their voices yet and that's what this radio show Um, I'm very proud of this radio show for making that happen, because you're right. If we help just one person tonight, it's a success. And if we've shown or given one person the ability to find their own voice, then we've helped people in the future as they use their voice. Have any of you been helped already I've I've been helped by being able to use my voice to help others and to know that my suffering that I do in silence because I keep that private um, isn't for nothing and that um, when I let people know my true self and I let myself be vulnerable that helps me take back Part of the portion of my soul that that rape took from me, okay. and I live a truth that I learned a long time ago, and I have to make myself live it and remind myself of it every day. And I heard it on Oprah, and it is about forgiveness. Because I don't believe the military set out to damage me in the way that it did. An individualist me. But what I suffer from today is the treatment that I received when I asked for justice. And so what I suffer from is forgiveness. Because forgiveness isn't about him. It isn't about the military. It's about the survivor. And forgiveness for me is exactly what I heard on Oprah. It's giving up the hope that the past can be any different than what it is. And I'm going to use my past to help other people's futures be different than what mine has been. And so, yes, I have been helped by this program, and I thank you.
1: Ladies, we are going to end up running out of time. I, I just and Alex, I, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to be on the show. I know that down the road we will do this show, and this 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 will this conversation will continue. Um, but I, again, I, I am thankful for all of your service for what you've done to serve this country, and now to continue to serve those who have served us. And I am truly looking forward to next week when we can discuss the homelessness and feel free ladies. And of course, Alex we'll to continue to share the show as we do. <laughs> and uh, just thank you guys from the bottom of my heart, Alex, give us a final word. We got about 20 seconds.
3: Well, this issue was important to many people. And if we helped one person find their voice, we succeeded on behalf of Perry, Perry, myself, and all of us at AMVETS Radio, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you next week when we have our Homeless Veteran Special. Thank you, and good night. Good night.